Welcome to the Eat More Barbecue Podcast. I'm Ryan Sanderson, and every week I lead you through the world of Alberta barbecue and beyond, bringing you stories of the amazing people in and around the barbecue culture. This podcast is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. Thank you for taking time out of your day to listen in. I appreciate the gift of your time, and I hope I can entertain you for a little bit. If you like what you're hearing, please subscribe on your favorite podcatcher, and I'd love it if you'd leave a rating and review. And now, on with this week's show. Hello, Eat More Barbecue family, and thank you for tuning in. This is episode number 139 of Canada's longest-running barbecue podcast. Coming up on the show this week is a great conversation with Alberta-based chef Shane Chartrand. We talk about his career and his goal to bring attention to the Canadian foods that his Indigenous ancestors ate and used. His cookbook, Tawau, is a beautifully written book that really gives you a good idea of what Shane is all about. The second part of the show is our fourth week of the month soapbox segment, and this month my daughter Jillian joins me to talk about the importance of knowing where our food comes from. Are you thinking of starting a podcast to help build your personal or business brand, but don't know how to get started? Eat More Barbecue Digital Media can help you with consulting, recording, voice work, or full production. Contact us at eatmorebarbecue at gmail.com for more information. This segment of the Eat More Barbecue podcast is brought to you by the Calgary Foundation, proudly supporting community needs for 65 years. Whether someone is battling depression, fleeing domestic abuse, or worried about putting food on the table, it's times like these that inspire people to help others during a period of unprecedented need. The Calgary Foundation is here to help. Through the generous support of donors, the Foundation offers a wide range of funding opportunities for organizations who share a common goal of building a healthy, giving, caring, and resilient community, one where everyone thrives. If you're part of a registered charity looking for a grant, discover a wealth of resources at calgaryfoundation.org and learn more about the Calgary Foundation on their Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube channel. It was sometime last summer that I became interested in exploring what is Alberta barbecue and to try to come up with a truly Alberta barbecue flavor and profile. And it occurred to me quickly doing that that uh, we'd need to look into what are some of the staple and native to Alberta foods. And to uh, do that, I uh, figured out pretty quick that I would need to look at what the indigenous people of the area used and ate. As I began to look and ask around about indigenous cooks, one name kept coming up. And I'm excited to have chef and cookbook author Shane Chartrand on the show this week. Shane, welcome to the Eat More Barbecue podcast. How are you? Yeah, good. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. No, my pleasure. Thank you. This is great. Um, before we kind of get into your story, I guess a little background info uh, about yourself. Uh, background info, um, I've been cooking my whole life. I'm 45. I started cooking when I was 16. Um, I'm from a little small town called Penhold, Alberta. Yep. Um, after that, I, I decided that I would um, swallow my my uh i don't know I, I i had to really try to figure out how to become somebody so i went to new york city i went to toronto i cooked um for mark McEwen. um i cooked um for a lot of people and then i went to la um i didn't work in la i just went to la and ate and just did did, uh, did a big food tour right things out and my friends are all movie stars and hip-hop artists and all this kind of craziness yeah so I was able to um, hang out with a lot of cool people, um, but mostly that's not really what it's all about, though. My my, my background really is truly about Alberta prairies, mm-hmm. um, Edmonton, Calgary, 
um, and everywhere in between. Um, so yeah, that's kind of my background and, um, yeah, certified, uh, Red So Chef, um, finished my level one Psalm and, um, yeah, I've won a lot of awards, but that's not something I want to really discuss. No worries. <laughs> and you're, uh, currently, uh, although we were just chatting, uh, with COVID not, uh, not open the executive chef at, uh, at SC, uh, correct at the River Cree resort and casino. Well, it's unfortunately no. No, it's okay. Shut down. Yeah. Yeah, totally shut down. So I am kind of in the middle of figuring out what that move looks like right now. So right. I looks like I'm gonna start writing again, which okay. is cool. Yep. And then I'm gonna go back and start um, whatever happens. I mean, the casino is a strange. It's a strange time for everybody. Let's be yeah, honest. Absolutely. Like, yeah. No one. No one. Anybody who complains about having a job it's a catch-22 right mm -hmm. like either you're happy that you have a job or you're upset because you're working too hard because there's not enough staff yeah <laughs> yeah 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 it's a crazy time for sure uh question i ask uh ask everybody uh what does barbecue mean to you barbecue um is funny because it's really interesting that you're talking about this and the reason why i was okay with coming on this was because Barbecue, open fire cooking happens everywhere. Absolutely. Every country. If you really think about it very carefully, open fire cooking, whether you want to call that barbecue or not barbecue, mm -hmm. that's uh, that's to each in their own, is open fire cooking is, is like the staple of the original cooking in every single country all around the globe. Absolutely. That's why barbecue is interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you. It's I, not yeah. about barbecue sauce. It's about corn cobs. I mean, that's that stuff's all good. That's fun family fare. Mm -hmm. But barbecue, I think, is beyond that. Way, way beyond that. Yep. No, absolutely. Um, and I, I've said it before that my show and you know my focus is kind of kind of southern U.S. barbecue. But absolutely, that uh, and there's arguments over where barbecue originated from. And I say it's there is no single origin. It's every culture around the globe. Uh, that's how they started cooking, right? So that's how everyone started cooking. I, I truly believe it. And you got to think about it this way too. Like we're 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 like new world. Mm -hmm. We're not old world, you know. So our style of food and what we do is is very young. Yes. Because Canada is a very young, 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 young country. Absolutely. Um, versus Europe. Versus you know, wherever. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that we don't have existence and we don't have say, right? Um, the indigenous world, um, barbecue, open fire cooking is, is, it's just what it is. Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny that, um, you know, when you look at wild game or you look at, cause I'm a hunter, I'm a fisherman. I do all this stuff. Mm-hmm. But the crazy thing is, I remember one, it was only a couple years ago, I think, two years ago, maybe not even, where I was cooking open fire, bison heart, wow. and bison liver mm -hmm. for my dad. Yep. Organs, you know, offals are awesome. Yep. They taste great. They're full, of, they're full of iron. They're full of protein. They're full of vitamins. I think they're cool. Yep, absolutely. That's wonderful. Uh, 
you know, I read I've, you've got your cookbook, Tawau. Is that am I pronouncing that properly? It's Tawau, yeah. Yeah. And what does that mean, Tawau? Welcome. There's room. Come in. That's awesome. You know, to me, you know, I asked the question, what does barbecue mean to you? And my answer is friends and family gathering around the fire to be together and to eat. So that, you know, that fits in perfectly. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, And that's exactly the same thing. It, you can, I mean, just because that's what Tawau means, that's not necessarily mean. It doesn't mean what you just said. Mm. That's the same thing, Tawau. Yeah, absolutely. That's wonderful. Um, and actually, I'm just going to, Give me 10 seconds here. Sure thing. 10 seconds. Yep. Boom, coming back. Somebody made this for me just because I've, I've got people out there that enjoy what I've done. Mm-hmm. And this is what he made me. Oh, love it. Beautiful. Nice sign. Yeah, yep. really, really cool. Yep. But yeah, it means the world. I mean, that's exactly. So when you think about food, or you, if you think about the food world, period. Mm-hmm. Yep. It should always be about that. Now, that should even be in a restaurant setting, too. Mm-hmm. Even in a restaurant setting, that's the way it should be. Yep. Because did you know? Well, you don't know this, but I'll tell you. The reason why people start cooking, I don't always know why they started cooking. They like it. They Whatever the reason. You know what made me start cooking? Mm-hmm. I was in a restaurant when I was a kid. Um, it was in Calgary. It wasn't a great restaurant, believe me. It was some, like... Bonanza or something. Okay, yep. If anyone out there remembers. I do. I grew up in Winnipeg and we had Bonanza there. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I saw a couple sitting there and they were so in love. And I'm not saying this because it's Valentine's Day today. Yep, yep. I'm saying the reason why. Yep. I saw them having fun, eating, having a glass of wine, laughing, talking, and my mind was imagine if you if you can provoke emotion on people to make them feel good and make their day mm-hmm. through food that's yep. pretty crazy absolutely it's pretty crazy yep so that was the one thing that made me really happy the second thing that i saw was a big party of i don't know like 12 or 15 people all together as a family laughing talking um, eating, snacking, and just having a really good time. Now I understand restaurant world costs money. Yep. Of course it does. Yep. You got to pay that bill. But that's why the restaurant has to uh, keep up the pace to making sure they take care of the guests and blah, 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 you know. Yeah. But yeah, that was the second reason I started into it. So then, yeah, that's where it started, really. That's awesome. Just that uh, kind of desire to add to people's enjoyment, right? Well, yeah. And then also on top of that too, was when I started working in the restaurant industry, um, all the cooks were only about a year older than I was. Mm-hmm. And they were using all this equipment and they were using the flat tops and the fryers and the grills. And um, back then, cause I'm 45 years old back then, <laughs> I'm not sure how old you are, but no, I, I've only, only got was, you by about three or four years. So. Was, uh, What's that? Okay. Yeah, it was a ticket wheel. Oh yeah, yeah, yep. Ticket wheel, no computer. Yeah, oh, yeah, yep. Uh, service had to write everything down. Yeah, on the spinny wheel there. I know yeah, what you're. So yeah. it was. A, it, it was. Tough. Yeah, a whole different world for sure. Right? 
Yeah. Uh, in the book, you kind of you talk about your your journey, you know, exploring and discovering the indigenous foods. Kind of kind of get into that a little bit. Sure. The thing is about indigenous food is, um, you know, I, I say this quite often and I shouldn't say it, but I still do because I believe in it. A lot of indigenous people don't know what indigenous food is, mm-hmm. you oh. know, um, and yeah, my cat, my cat will likely make an appearance at some point too. So it's all good. <laughs> um, so, um, the idea of the information bundles was to try to offer something different on my life, mm-hmm. talk about my life, what I've been through. Um, I, I mean, I've been scared. I, I remember one time I was hunting one time in this spot where um, there was cougars, black bears, grizzly bears, and lynx. Yikes. Lynx won't get, lynx won't do anything to you, but still, if they get scared, they're yep. a cat. Yep. But yeah, so I was in there, and, and and so my dad said to me, "Well, we are the ones that have the guns. We're the ones that have the shotguns. Don't worry about it. You get a three oh eight. I got a what do you have a thirty um, odd six. Mm-hmm. And I'm and in my mind, I'm thinking, you know, like, um, well." what happens if I miss, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So anyway, on back on track to the wild game is that is what I've done. I love, I love fishing more than I love hunting. Yeah. Um, my world is truly about that. The book writes a lot about that, what that's all about. And I think that people believe here. I'll, gi- I'll give you another one here. Here's a quick one. Yeah. So when I was in Prince Rupert, we're hunting for seals. Okay. Seals. Yep. I've never gone seal hunting, but I was on the boat. We were going out shooting seals. And um, what makes it crazy, and I've said this before on a different podcast or whatever, people believe that when when it comes to seals, you get those activists out there thinking they're clubbing seals on the head and, you know, taking bits and pieces off and then leaving the whole body. That's not the case. They eat the whole seal. Mm -hmm. They eat everything, every part of the seal. Yep. It's interesting. It's really cool to see. Wild game's delicious. It's ethical. It's honest. Um, actually, on that note, whenever I go hunting, I'll tell you this right now: if I don't get a clean shot, I don't take the shot. I Absolutely. Don't. Well, and that's the right that's way to do that, it, right? That's the way we were raised, and that's the way we know. And I think most hunters are like that. Unfortunately, there are a few, a select few out there that aren't, and. Those are the ones that uh, everyone talks about, right? The anti uh, anti hunting yeah. crowd. You know, they're going to grasp onto those that minority that doesn't do it the right way, and that's what we all hear about, right? Yeah, yeah, of course. Yep. But no, no. I mean, I mean, I think. Um, see, the the way it works is you talk to fish and um, fish and wildlife. You get the guide. You're told what you can shoot. Mm-hmm. See, I'm indigenous, so I can shoot all year round. But right. just because I have that, um, the allowance to do that does not mean that's what I do. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've taken my all my um, courses and everything that I hunt very ethically. Yep. Um, I'm not saying that it's right or wrong. I'm not speaking for all the indigenous. That's not the point. It's just my view. Yep. 
um, as a as a hunter, um, that's what I do, and that's what I'll always do. Yeah. Um, but it's it's funny because I remember one time I was um, way up in BC, northern BC, and we we're climbing a mountain, and we got to the top of the mountain. Yeah. There was big horn sheep everywhere. There must have been hundreds of them. Now somebody might want to take a good shot of that you know but mm-hmm. i could we couldn't do it we're like no let's just let them be them and let them enjoy the weather the mountaintop mm-hmm. and you take a shot and it's just not worth it yeah you, you, you just got you just gotta pick pick the pick the time i guess yep yep let your uh you know you're using your heart a bit as well as your head right so yeah that's right yeah absolutely I really, uh, throughout the book, you had a couple of different uh, essays, I guess you could say, contributed by some other people, and I really appreciated that. Uh, the one from Cowboy Smith. Uh, Cowboy really, Smith, yeah. Yeah, it really struck me. Uh, maybe talk about him and the Red Talks and uh, and that a little bit. Okay, Cowboy Smith is a is an awesome guy. He, uh, I've worked with him quite a bit. He's really smart. He... Sometimes I think he's even too smart. Mm-hmm. I know that sounds silly. He is, um, Red Talks is very important to the indigenous world. Um, his voice is very strong. He picks people that can talk well. He picks people that can um, put a platform together. So every Red Talks is different. Mm-hmm. Um, I think mine was called uh, Art is the Medicine. I think that was the one that I, that I had to okay. speak to. So Art is medicine art is the medicine food is medicine right and food is also art so he picked me to speak in that one and cook in that one mm-hmm. um there's a lot of cool people like uh, stephanie harp and a lot of people that spoke in their own in their own words about certain things and right. cowboy smith one that put that together he deserves the honorary for it he deserves everything he gets of course yeah and he's just a really good guy. He's Treaty 7 territory. Mm-hmm. And we're Treaty 6. Um, it, so jokingly, hey. the Blackfoot and the Cree never really got along. Yeah, I've heard that. Yep. Way back in the day. Yep. So we always kind of slide those jokes in there every once in sure. a while. Yep. But no, it doesn't matter anymore. We're all the same. Yep. Matter of fact, it doesn't matter about treaties at all. This matters about the human being themselves. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, Cowboy Smith, good man. Yeah, in that uh, that essay, he talked about uh, decolonizing food and food racism, and that really kind of kind of struck home for me. Well, you got to realize decolonization is is uh, so. Whenever I do indigenous dinners or events, mm-hmm. <clears throat> the one thing I ask people to do. <coughs> I was on that show called the Social. You know this show? Yeah. Yeah. Yep out of Toronto mm-hmm. and um, at the end of the show when I finished up they're like so Shane how are we supposed to eat this food do we just take a knife and fork or do we just smash it and I just said well maybe you can decolonize and just use your hands and just eat it mm-hmm. because decolonization colonization fork and knife good example of of where you know where we went to Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I, I hope that makes somewhat sense. Yeah, absolutely. 
Yeah, the the part about food racism really hit me, and it was it's interesting because I had just heard a uh, uh, about the same time I was reading that uh, a doctor out of the U.S. on another podcast talking about food racism in the U.S. Um, with the uh, the African American and the Latino communities, how mm-hmm. how the big food companies, uh, uh, you know, he he accounted he called it food racism, and it's, so it just it. Uh, the two parallels uh, to what he was, Cowboy Smith was talking about, uh, I found quite interesting, and in, uh, with the uh, with well, the indigenous food, community here, I, I I think food racism is racism itself, mm-hmm. personally. Yes, I I don't understand the the term food racism, but I've heard it before quite mm-hmm. a bit. But it just always goes back to the human himself, always. Yeah. You know, it goes back to the African-American, it goes back to the Asian, it goes back to the Italian, it goes back to the indigenous guy or girl, either or. That's yeah. what it's always, that's what it always ends up to go back to. Mm-hmm. It's weird. Yeah. It's a weird, it's a weird, it's weird. I, what I find about that, it's attacking in any form you can find. Yeah. That's what I think. I don't think it has anything to do with food, but that's just my humble sure. opinion. Yep. Absolutely. I get what you're saying. Um. Yeah. And you kind of touched on it with uh, with the Red Talks, uh, food as medicine. Uh, how do you yeah. how do you see that? Well, because food is us. Food is who we are. We are what we eat, mm-hmm. sort of thing, right? Um, you want to eat bad, you're gonna, you know, not live a good life. Yep. There, there's something else too that I want to say. It affects our um, it, it affects our emotions. It affects our opinions. It affects our day. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you why it does. And this is going to be my small little example. If you wake up in the morning, yourself, you wake up in the morning and you have a bad breakfast, Mm -hmm. your wife gets up and she burns the eggs and the toast is not quite cooked enough or whatever, whatever. It's not intentional, Mm -hmm. but, you know, sometimes it happens. How's your day start off? Starts up grumpy. Yep. Over a, what, over a bad breakfast? Yeah. You should be glad you have eggs. You should be... You should be glad that you have toast. You should be glad that you have potatoes. But you, you can't, you can't not admit it. Does evoke, you know, it evokes emotion, mm-hmm. and it does make us happy and kind of, yeah. Yep. You go, you go for a steak, and you you go to a restaurant, eat a steak, it's massively overcooked. Are you are you happy? No. Yeah. You send it back. Yep. And on the other side, uh, when you get that perfect steak or bite of whatever, just the, uh, you know, the entire opposite emotion that, uh, that fills you up, right? Exactly. And then you're talking, oh, my goodness, you might even believe where I just ate. Yeah. Or I went to Shane's place, he made a seafood casserole. It was mind-blowing. Or yeah. I went to Shane's place and he overcooked the steak. I thought he was a great chef. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I got just you. Throw- no, absolutely. It, uh, yeah, it. Uh, you're right, though. It is a certainly a, a, an emotional tie to our to food with us, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the other one of the other essays that I uh, kind of jumped out at me was from Ryan O'Flynn. Ryan O'Flynn, yes, one of the best chefs in this entire country. Yeah, he doesn't live here anymore. Yeah, he's in the UK now, right? He is a mind blowing. He's Ryan O'Flynn. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, he's Irish. Yep. He's big. I don't know mean fat. He's just a big, big fella. Yep. Rock star chef. Yep. He's won more awards. I mean, I've won tons of awards, but Ryan's won big ones. Mm-hmm. 
he is um his dad is re- was he passed his dad passed away his dad was massively famous in, okay. in the culinary world okay and yeah ryan o'flynn speaks very highly of me but also ryan used to work with the dene tribe okay um and he believes he believes canadians are ridiculous to not think that the indigenous food is not canadian food you know mm-hmm. yes we're multicultural we should be celebrating everyone everyone's allowed to come here yeah right yeah why are why is the indigenous people not celebrated it's uh, absolutely yeah he uh, you get, go ahead you get on that policy you get you get you get um um trauma of all sorts and all the stuff and then you, I, it's one time this this uh i used to have to teach an italian class from kids that came from sicily mm. and from tuscany and the first thing they asked me is why is there so many indigenous people on the streets homeless i'm like okay so that's your question that's so you're starting a conversation with a negative not a positive yeah and secondly, I'm pretty sure if I go to Italy, there's going to be homelessness there too. Yep. And that's not the first question I'd ever ask you. So don't ask me that again. Yeah. Yep. No, it's uh... no, but yeah, but Ryan O'Flynn is is good. Um, he was a really big part of this book. And here's something else that I'll tell you: I did not tell any of these people from Jennifer Cockrell King to Ryan O'Flynn. To Cowboy Smith at all what to say. Right. It was all up to them. I just said you're gonna be in the book and they're gonna interview you and just say whatever you think. Nice. Yeah, no, I really it's super organic. The book is massively organic. It's yeah. nothing is there's no facades. Mm-hmm. Um every recipe works. Yeah. Um every person said what they believe was right. Mm-hmm. And Jennifer Cockrell King as well should be celebrated too. Absolutely. No, it's a great. I'm really uh, haven't had a chance to try out any of the recipes yet, but certainly looking forward to, especially some of the bison, uh, uh, the bison dishes. We've been eating a lot more bison here lately, so it's. Uh, Where are you based out of right now? I'm in Calgary. Calgary. Okay, so Calgary. Um, unfortunate that I got a lot of chef friends in Calgary. Yeah. Um, a lot of the restaurants shut down. Yeah, it's a tough Some of the time. best restaurants in this country are in Calgary. Mm. Did you, I, I'm not, <clears throat> there's got to be a dozen restaurants. You got Shokinen over there. You've got uh, um, Foreign Concepts, Duncan Lee. You got, um, just, there's just, it just never ends in Calgary. Yeah, certainly no shortage you know? of, uh, no shortage of great uh, spots to get out to. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. When we're, when we're allowed to. Totally. But yeah, just jumping back to Ryan O'Flynn and the, and you touching on his yep. talk talking about Canadian food identity, and you you said it right. Uh, that's got to be the indigenous food. Yes, the indigenous the indigenous food is basically mm-hmm. it's not bannock, it's not Indian tacos. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, it's from the land. It's from this terroir. It's from where where you're from. If you're Iroquois. You know, you're going to eat a lot of fish. If you're from BC, if you're from uh, Prince Rupert, it's going to be fish. If you're from the prairies, it's going to be bison and beef and chicken, mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know. So from this land is is the indigenous food. It's not 
and and it's not just about that because you could you could say well why is that indigenous because um because a lot of people already do that as farmers period right but it's not just about the food itself it's about the medicine it's about the love the care the people um it's about um uh um mitsu it's about uh respect mm-hmm. you know like i mean you got to be ethical too right when you're indigenous you have to be and that's the big part yeah it's the big part yeah that's great and uh, that's what that's what ryan o'flynn believes in too like mm-hmm. that's the reason why he was in the book is ryan o'flynn he's the first guy that will drink, you know, 10 big goblets of beer. Yep. And okay. 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 He, I'll, I'll give you a small example. And if he, if he hears this, I'm sure he won't cause he's too far away now. <laughs> he lives in London. Yeah. But one time we're in the Okanagan Valley, right? So I used to work for, I used to work in the Okanagan Valley for a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, um, <clears throat> we're at, um, Incomy and we're watching the hockey game as you can, Got your Oilers shirt on, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm sure you're not liking that too much, but <laughs> I think Calgary won last night, didn't they? No, they got beat. Canucks beat us. Oh. Yeah. Well, we're in the Okanagan Valley, and um, um, Ryan, I said, Ryan, let's go get some hot dogs. So outside the hotel, there's a hot dog stand. Mm-hmm. And Ryan, Chef Ryan O'Flynn's like, no, no, man. I got something better in the hotel. So we go, we go to the hotel. He's making me foie gras with sturgeon and whatever else, jellies and foams. And mm-hmm. it's like three in the morning. I just want to go to bed. But he, uh, he's making me all this fancy. That's Ryan O'Flynn. Yeah. Truly, he's a good, and he, he, is a, he is truly a real ethical chef. Yeah. He loves the indigenous people, loves the Dene people. Mm-hmm. And when, when Ryan O'Flynn sits here and says, when one guy who's Irish says, why in the go ahead is this that's celebrating indigenous food? Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, he was yeah. down here, uh, brewery and the beast a couple of years ago. He was uh, down there, and I got to didn't get a chance to meet him, but got a tra- chance to try his food, and it was. Uh, oh yeah, he does the big. He always does the big spreads. I've been oh, yeah. to that event a few times too. Yeah, mine mine is quite small. I remember yeah. one year I did hanging smoked salmon. Yep. And again, going back to ethical and um, decolonization, mm-hmm. I wanted everyone to take the salmon, rip pieces off, and eat it. Yeah. It just didn't work. No one seems to want to do that. Yep. Yeah. No, no. Yeah. He was there, too. I was yeah. there as well. Yeah. He had yeah. he had quite the setup with the uh, animals hanging over the fire. It was... Oh, uh, yeah. It yeah was he r- knows what he's doing. Oh, he knows yeah. How yep. to get- See, that's the thing about Ryan O'Flynn. He knows how to get people... Oh, yeah. Um, excited and he's got a good spot his spot is right in the front there too i was in way in the back yeah <laughs> yeah no that's a that was a great event i've uh volunteered at it not obviously not last year but the year before and uh, really some mm. neat stuff to see so uh you volunteered i did yeah yeah i was running uh essentially running bags of charcoal back and forth to uh all the different uh no 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 i, I met you oh maybe it's possible yeah, i know it's i needed char- i was on the other side okay and then you asked me how much I needed, and I and we had a big, um, yeah, yeah, that's right, I remember. Okay, could and be, yeah. You you were running like a dog. It was good. It was a, yeah, put a few miles on that day. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, a great event. Uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully you see that uh, coming back here uh, at oh, some yeah. point. They will. Yep. How did the book uh, come to be? What uh, what was the process, I guess, for you? Uh, uh, the process of the book was to... Um, so somebody came to me. I won't say the name of this girl. She's awesome. But she came to me and said, I, I was at your event, your dinner event. You need to write a book. I said, I'd love to write a book. But, mm-hmm. you know, like, where do you start? How do you start? Who yeah. do you go to? How do you convince somebody? How much money is it going to cost me? Yeah. Uh, so then it led me to Jennifer Cockrell King. We had a coffee. We had a glass of wine. We had dinner. We chatted. Um, we talked about personal lives just to, just to get to know each other a sure. little bit, right? Yep. Because uh, there's got to be a trust factor in there, too. Because <clears throat> you can't just write a book with somebody, mm-hmm. just anybody. You, if you wanted to write a book and you picked me to be your, your writer or whatever, I could totally screw it up. Sure. Or not get, or not get your point or not get your mm-hmm. view. Uh, yeah. So um, Jennifer had a lot of patience with me because I can be a very impatient person. Um, my girlfriend laughs because I do move quickly and I, I want things done now. Um, but yeah, Jennifer just asked me question after question after question. We made it work. We mm-hmm. tried to figure out the, you know, the, the, the actual name of the book was not initially going to be to wow. It was going to be marrow progressive indigenous cuisine. Marrow yeah. is marrow in the inside of the bone is a very indigenous celebrated part of the animal. Okay. Um, so then we had to deal with the publishers and then we had to go back and forth and talk about what made sense, what didn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Should we call it marrow or Tawau? It was, it was a long process, yeah. but it was really about me and Jen talking through everything. Um, I mean, there's there's videos out there of us, of me just flying around the kitchen. And the one recipe she seems to like the most, it's a pumpkin salad, uh, roasted pumpkin salad. Yeah. <clears throat> and I made that up in two minutes. You know, I just yeah. thought it up. I roasted everything off. I cooked it, tossed it, and I didn't say a word. And she was following me around with a pencil and pen or a pencil <laughs> and a pen. How much of this? this how much of that how much of this yes frustrating for me because i'm not used to that Mm -hmm. and it was frustrating for her because she's not used to that um but yeah the whole idea of the book was literally just an idea it was just an idea and to me i'm not gonna lie to you to be honest i didn't even think it was even gonna be a thing i didn't think the book was ever gonna be made yeah well it's one I'll, i'll tell you this honestly and please Please believe me when I say this, because whenever I do these kind of interviews, I don't lie because mm. I'm not saying that I lie, period. I'm just saying I'm as honest as I can be. When I got the first copy in the mail, I slept it. it I slept with my book in the bed, holding it in my arms for three nights. Wow. Yeah. Yep. Pretty, a pretty special moment, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Talking about the recipe thing. Uh, my uh, my mother's side of the family uh, is uh, French, Franco Manitoban, and uh, my grandmother when when she was alive, trying to get recipes from her, I'd, you know, talking to her on the phone, and you know, a little bit of this and a pinch of this, and yeah, yeah. you know, exactly. <laughs> what, you know, she's been, you know, torchera for instance, something she'd been cooking for decades, and me trying to 
find out how she does it and you know she doesn't have a recipe written down to figure out if she just knows how much to put in and trying to yeah. for, for her to try to tell me that was a bit of a challenge so well and that's funny because right now <clears throat> right now in my in my living room i think i've got right now right here probably mm-hmm. about 60 cookbooks yeah but this this is crazy and again i won't say the person's name two people admitted something to me that are very very famous very famous chefs mm-hmm. they said we didn't t- we didn't test one recipe wow not one they don't even know if they tr- they don't even know if the recipes even work yeah and that's where me and jen had to make that choice um not only are these old recipes but they've got to work. Sure. Yeah. And so we tested every single one of them. Tell yeah. me that was not a long process. Oh, that, yeah. That would have been months. Uh, just that would be months, I would imagine, right? Months and months and months. Yeah. yeah. Just doing Because <clears throat> that book is 301 pages. I don't remember how many recipes we have in there. Um, but I know my mom spoke. My dad spoke. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ryan O'Flynn. Cowboy Smith. Jennifer Cockerell King. I think there was one more, but I could be wrong. I can't remember. Yeah, you did. Um, there was one about powwows. A little essay oh, yeah, about, yeah. 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 And so Catherine Sprague's are um, the girl that did all the photos. Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, we're talking about someone who did not need to go out of her way to go to a powwow and take those shots. She right. did it on her own. I wow. wasn't even there. Oh, I wasn't wow. even part of it. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's uh, well, it's the dedication to it and the commitment that come shows in just an amazing, an amazing, beautiful book. Really, uh, just to look at it. Uh, never mind if uh, the recipes, but it's just a beautiful looking book. So that's wonderful. Well, <clears throat> the flip side to the book is, um, I could have written just a bunch of recipes, like any cookbook. Mm-hmm. Like all these are just recipes. Some of them have stories, but. What we wanted, I thought about it and I said, okay, how about we do this? Why don't we make it a cookbook slash story mm-hmm. and have all these stories so you can sit, relax, flip through the cookbook. Not You don't need to cook anything. And, mm-hmm. and to be honest, another thing I say about that cookbook is it's supposed to be an inspiration. It's not, you don't need, you can follow all the recipes, but I'd rather somebody have an interpretation of what they think about war paint. Right. Like on the front cover or, you know, I like that idea. I'm going to try it in this. I like this idea, but I don't like what he did. I'm going to try it over here. Mm-hmm. I'm not a fan of sweet grass. I don't like the smell of it. I want to use rosemary. Whatever. Take take your ideas and make it your own, right? Yeah. Yeah, That's that was the, that was the big thing. And mm-hmm. I wish we got that in a book. You got to realize... We got a lot of more material. We could probably put another book together just with the leftover stuff that we weren't able to fit into. See, another thing was, too, if if a cookbook's too big, Hmm. it gets too boring. Like, it's too boring. Like, you sort of, you flip through it and, you know, I, I, you know, I get what Shane's all about. I get it. I get it. I get it. Hmm. All right. I'm, I'm, you know, books aside. Yep. So, but yeah, we had we had a lot of other material we wanted to put in, but we just couldn't fit. We, we did, it wasn't, it wasn't the right time to do it. Oh yeah. That's uh, always time for a second one down the road, right? Yeah. On what you talked about 
putting the stories and the, the different things in there. The book that got me hooked on barbecue, uh, it's called Peace, Love, and Barbecue uh, by Mike and Amy Mills out of Illinois. And he was a yep. competition barbecue cook and started a restaurant. And my wife bought it for me thinking it was a grilling cookbook. And it was mostly stories of the people and places he'd he'd encountered over his years. And there's some recipes in there, but, uh, you know, it's exactly what you talked about, the stories and the culture of that world, right? And it, uh, that's what hooked me in. So your uh, your book kind of follows that. With, you know, there's some recipes, but... Yeah, uh, yeah the there's a lot of barbe- barbecue. Like I said, going back to barbecue, yeah, it's, it's part of every culture. Mm-hmm. It really is. It truly is. Yep. And I, and I would love somebody to challenge me on that because I would oh. implore them to because, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure if we went online right now, I could find barbecue recipes, open fire recipes from every country in this world. Absolutely. I'm sure. Find something. Yeah, I think the, the only real debate would be maybe where the word barbecue originated from. But that style of cooking would be like you just said, it's uh, it's everywhere. Yeah. Yep. I, I was actually supposed to be on that. What was that TV show? Barbecue. It was a barbecue competition on Food Network. I was the, supposed to be on it. The Canadian I, one. I, uh, Firemaster. Firemaster. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, my girl just said the same thing as yeah. you right now. Yep. Yeah, I just declined it. To were you compete or as a judge? I was going to compete. Okay. Yeah, I've got if I've done a both. I'd rather judge now just because of my age. Yeah. I'm a little older and a little more sore. My bones are a little more brittle. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I hear you. But yeah. yeah. You know what? Eating really, honestly, it doesn't matter what anyone says. It is hard. Mm-hmm. I mean, when I was on chop, that was 15 hours. Yep. Um, when I was on Iron Chef, that was twelve mm-hmm. between nine and nine and twelve or whatever. But that was a different because that was a team, whereas the other ones it was just me alone. Yeah. And, and um, my last one was um, Bridge Wars, and that's where that's where I tapped out from TV competition. It's yeah. just too it's too tough for a guy my age. Yeah. It's, uh... I know I'm, I you know I'm, I'm a smaller guy. I'm not big. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter. I'm, I'm still 45 years old. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I've got uh, three guys I know from the barbecue world that were all on the Firemaster show, and I did a got the three of them together over Zoom, and we did a podcast talking about their experience. And it was, uh, you know, you talk about the long days. The one guy made it through to the final of his episode, and yeah, it was a, a grueling, uh, a grueling day for sure. Well, and that's the thing. Like, I mean, so I, how did it work for me when I was on Chopped? I came in second, mm-hmm. but she was cooking till midnight. Crazy. So you got to think we're up at seven in the morning. Yep. And she cooked all the way till midnight. Yeah, My it's goodness. a yeah. Just sleep for a couple of right. days after that. Well, no, you sort of sort of give up. I hate yeah. to say it, like you don't want to give up, but you're just like, oh, I'm sick of cooking. Yeah. I'm sick of doing. <clears throat> I'm sick of talking because that's actually the worst part of it is is the talking part Mm -hmm. the interview yeah yeah it's it's really really grueling yep yeah um recipe development for you how does what's your process of you know for the book or or else you know at the rest of your restaurant life what's kind of your process for recipe development 
Okay, my process is I'm, I don't look at ingredients specifically. Like, I want to make something with artichokes. Um, I want to make something with Arctic char. I don't think this way. I get inspired by emotion. Mm-hmm. I get inspired by thoughts, people. I get inspired by um, walking through a hardware store. That sounds really silly. I get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I could see some kind of metal or steel or wood and think, what can I do with that? Right. What can I, what can I do with that? So that's kind of my process. So you almost it's start, you almost, meeting. go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, but, but this is the thing. That's where Jen also came back and said, that's too, that's way, way too much. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was thinking about, and, and please don't laugh, but I'm just going to be honest with you. What I do is I talk about what I like, what I think about wanting to do. <clears throat> and then we back it up. Mm-hmm. So, I could see a beautiful hanging towel. I could see shingles. I could see a chair. I could see wheels. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what start. That's what starts me thinking about what I would do. And then I get other. And then I talk it talk it out with other people. And then they back me up. Right. Yeah, your work. You you're almost envisioning the end product. Then you're working back. To how to how to make that is that where you're going? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because my ideas are not realistic. They're mm. not realistic at all. Yeah. When I'm really really into it, they're not. They're not. Mm. I mean, I could put food on this shirt. I could put food on this rim. Yeah. I mean, I remember one time. I'm not going to lie to you. This did happen. I cooked it. I cooked for BMW, and I said to them, "What's your latest model car?" Mm-hmm. And I don't remember what it was. And they brought it out, and they and I said, "Okay, I want to cook on that. I want to put food on that." They're like, no way. <laughs> you are not putting food on this car. Yeah. It was a thought. Yeah. So we ended up putting it on um, an old, not an old hood, but it was a, a hood that we flipped upside down and uh, put the canopies on that one. For okay. Them. Yep. But you, you see what I'm yeah. saying? That's how yeah. You, you get the vision and then work backwards to figure out how to make it work uh, somehow. Yeah, or yep. forward. Yeah. Or forwards. I mean, either or. Yep. Yeah, no, that's great. Um, the recipes in the book were. Did you come up? You mentioned obviously the the pumpkin salad. Were some of those recipes you already had in your arsenal, or was that all no. new uh, new recipes brand you came new. up for the book? Wow. Yeah, a lot of them were brand new. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's crazy. That's. Uh, well, here's something else. <clears throat> When I used to work in restaurants, I mean, I still do cook and I still do events and mm-hmm. everything like that, of course, right? <clears throat> but the one thing I never used to want to do, and this is what made people frustrated with me, was I never wanted to repeat a recipe. Okay. So if you and your wife, girlfriend, whatever that looks like, mm-hmm. you come to my restaurant and I do a tasty menu for you, that is our moment. Mm-hmm. Between us three, you and whoever you're with, friend, whatever, get a tasty menu that I'll never repeat again. I got you. Yep. So, you know, that's another stupid idea that I have that, you know, it, it, I like the idea of that, but mm-hmm. it, you know, unfortunately, unfortunately, um, the book was what provoked um, me to not do that anymore. Right. 
Because if you want that pumpkin salad, you want to come back and have it again, and I say no. Yeah, then. Well, you just you just drove, you know, I don't know, five kilometers, 10 kilometers, 20 miles, two hours to come to my restaurant and have the pumpkin salad, and I'm refusing that on you? That's yeah. It's not That's not fair to um, the consumer, the guests, uh, and, me, and maybe me. Hmm. Yeah, I understand. So, yeah, you almost need a... A way to do both, right? Have your kind of set set recipes that are you repeat, and then have another outlet where you can do the one offs yeah. that, uh, yeah, you know, that you come up with. Um, mm-hmm. Something I I really thought was neat in the book was this separated the recipes out by seasons. That wasn't my idea. No, no, that was Jen's idea. Yep. Um, I thought it was clever. I thought it was smart. Mm-hmm. I don't know where she got it from. I don't know what made her think that up. I mean, because that's very much us. Mm-hmm. The medicine wheel in the indigenous world, um, first of all, medicine wheels are all different. They're not the same. Just like Crees, we're not all the same. Right. Just like the Blackfoot, they're not all the same. The Iroquois, the Métis. Um, but our medicine wheel is done by seasons. And I don't know why. I, I See, this is the thing I also wanted to share. I did not want it to be corny. Mm-hmm. Meaning medicine wheels meaning like horses running in the background or feathers right or, or peace pipes which is actually not the right word it's just it's just called a pipe mm-hmm. um now i have in my cabinet over here i got sashes i've got um rattles i've got hides i've got bones skulls all kinds of cool things um, but I didn't want the book to look this this way, because um, I didn't want to be like hyper indigenous. Yeah, I'm almost yeah, stereotypical, my right? Life. Yeah, my life too. I just wanted mm-hmm. to be with myself. Yeah. So, for instance, the 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 chapter about tattoos was very mm-hmm. interesting because this is all Asian in food. This is indigenous. This is indigenous. Mm-hmm. I've got Hadaguay on my chest and I've got um, hand poke tattoo or hand poke, traditional hand poke from the, the Niska tribe on my neck, but mm-hmm. I'm not hyper indigenous. I, I, I don't speak much Cree. Right. I know a few words here and there and whatever, and I can make my way around it, but I'm also a Shane Madrid Chalton, which is French, Métis. Yep. I can't speak French. My name is Shane Medrick Chartrand. Shane Medrick Chartrand or Shane St. John Gordon. Mm-hmm. Trust me, it's <laughs> it's confusing. Yeah. Well, and you talked about that with uh, being adopted and, you know, kind yeah. of f- finding out later on the other name, right? You mentioned that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, it's interesting. Um, won't take uh, much more of your time here. Uh, before we go, where can folks uh, find you online, social media? Yeah, so my name is Shane Medrick Chartrand. You can mm-hmm. find that anywhere. Yep. On Facebook, Instagram, and um, I don't do Twitter anymore. Just Facebook and Instagram for me. Right. My book is sold in every major bookstore in North America, Turtle Island. Mm-hmm. They sell out pretty quick, and I'm not trying to sound like that guy that's trying to <laughs> put a, <laughs> exaggerate, but it sure. does sell out. Yep. I only buy. See, this is the thing. The book just won an award as well. Oh, nice. So I, I didn't know this, but a lot of books don't do second second prints. Mm-hmm. 
I didn't know this. And we're getting a second print. Oh, wonderful. Congratulations. So it's be recirculated everywhere. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Good for you. Yeah. So, well, thank you. No, thank I gotta, you. I gotta, the girlfriend's waiting for me because it is Valentine's Day. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I appreciate you doing that. Uh, real quick, last question. Uh, Sure. It's dinner time. Maybe you got the grill going. What's kind of your uh, What's kind of your go to? Um, if I was to open my barbecue right now and turn that baby on, I got a what is mine? An old broil king out yeah. there. Um, what I like to do, I fire up my barbecue really high, mm-hmm. then turn it down to like a low on one side, and then the one side I turn off. Okay, that's my that's my resting side. Mm-hmm. Um, if I was to go to the store right now and buy something right now on the top of my head, um, I would probably buy some pork tenderloin. Um, I would probably grab some leeks, um, roast the leeks off until they're totally black, burnt, break it down to an ash, salt, pepper, spices, rub the pork tenderloin in that in that ash. Nice. Leek ash, roast it off. I, I, I cook my pork medium rare. Mm-hmm. A lot of people were freaky about that still, which yeah. is crazy to me, but yep. it's okay. I, I, it's okay. Yeah, each their um, own, right? Yeah, yeah. I would probably hit, hit that with a salad of sorts. Yeah. Um, I, I, uh, and what would I do? You know what? I'm, gonna, I'm not going to lie to you. I probably just do good old-fashioned boiled potatoes. Yeah, that's simple. Yeah. Nice. Well, Shane, uh, thank you so much for doing this. Really appreciate it. Uh um yeah appreciate what you're doing and uh keep at it and good luck uh, with whatever uh, your next adventure is yeah well i'll, I'll say this before i go mm-hmm. um our time is is very has been very important to me too um it's important because because you've given me a moment for me to be able to speak again and right now with COVID and everything no one nobody really can yeah I'm hoping this helps you. It helps me. Mm-hmm. And um, um, Naomi, here, come here for a sec. Um, I'm going to say this last word, just because she is. Get you. Got to come quick, quick. <laughs> you, no, it's okay. Okay, this is this is the thing we're going to say together. Ready? Boilers all the way. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you might be able to see the Canadians uh, blanket over my shoulder there. So, <laughs> uh, awesome. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, that was great. Appreciate it, Shane. Thank you, sir. Take care. We'll uh, yeah, yeah. Hi, hi, we'll, we'll uh, run into you one of these days here. You betcha. Okay, take care. Big thank you to Chef Shane Chartrand for coming on the show this week. I will be watching closely to see what's coming next for him. And if you're interested in seeing what his cooking is all about, please check out his book, To Wow, available online in chapters here in Canada, Indigo. It's a great book and really a beautiful piece of work. It is the fourth week of the month and time for the monthly soapbox segment. This month, my daughter Jillian gets on the soapbox to talk about the importance of knowing where your food comes from which is fitting since this episode comes out the day after Canadian Ag Day on February 23rd. This portion of the show is brought to you by the Alberta Podcast Network and all the great shows on the network, such as the Turf District Podcast, a weekly chat about the CFL with a slant on the soon-to-be-renamed Edmonton Football Club. Here they are to tell you all about it. 
sticking it on? I mean, it's been a while. Welcome to the Turf District Podcast, where we huddle up and talk all things Edmonton football team. And we are a part of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. I'm Andrew. I'm Superfan Mike. And I'm Commissioner K. We used to have a different name, much like the team, and now we are relaunching the rebranded podcast starting next week. We will cover player and, as it seems, coach signings. Team news and, you know, like when we play and when we actually have a team name. (laughs) And we will catch up with people from the team, the alumni, the fans, and everyone around the CFL. We might talk a little bit of history, too. Really? Weird. Plus, we'll have new shirts coming, too. Join us every two weeks starting February 2nd, 2021, and every week once we have football back. Find us on Twitter at The Turf District. On Facebook at The Turf District Podcast. And on IG at The Turf District. YouTube Live on Monday nights and the full pod everywhere you find podcasts on Tuesdays. Join the huddle. And remember, you can't catch footballs with your face and we will absolutely talk to you next week. Please visit www.albertapodcastnetwork.com for links to the Turf District Podcast and all the other shows on the network. Alrighty, it is the fourth week of the month, and that means it is time for the Soapbox. And uh, this month, we have a special guest, my daughter Jillian. You've previously heard her on the show a couple of times, most recently last month and earlier this month during the product review segments, and also going way, way back to almost the beginning of the podcast where her and her sister Amelia joined me to talk about my Texas barbecue trips for a couple of episodes. And uh, Jillian wanted to come on the show and talk about the importance of knowing where your food comes from. So Jillian, welcome to the Soapbox. Take it away. Thank you very much. Um, Yeah, I just wanted to talk about how important it is to face the reality, the honest truth of what you're eating, Mm -hmm. right? Meat comes from animals. That's just the reality of the situation. Absolutely. The reality of the situation is I eat meat. Mm -hmm. That's not going to change at this point. That's where I am. Mm -hmm. And it... I think sometimes people want to kind of turn a blind eye to that and not be aware of what they're eating because it it can be kind of an ugly truth if you think about it that way. A little bit, yeah. But I don't think it does anybody justice if Mm -hmm. you choose to be ignorant about it, if you choose to ignore it. Right. So I think it's, it's just so important to be aware constantly. Mm hmm. And, you know, that gives you a respect for what you're eating and mm-hmm. everybody that was involved, all the people and animals. And I think that just gives you a better connection to what you're eating as well and better respect and appreciation for it. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. And would uh, you say that uh, some of the times you've been with me and visiting some farms where we will get meat from, is that kind of been helpful in that uh, respect for you no, you know giving you that sense of knowing where it's coming from oh absolutely like seeing the whole process right mm-hmm. i am thinking about the a farms yeah right we saw the piglets the little right young uh, the pigs yep like seeing all of the stages of it mm-hmm. right and if you just think about it briefly it's kind of oh those pigs are going to be food mm-hmm but that's just the truth of it. Right. Yep. And it's kind of a beautiful um, 
cycle of circle circle of life. Circle or? of life. Yep. <laughs> the dog is losing his mind upstairs. That's yep. That's okay. We'll just keep talking. Um, circle of life concept, and it's just a neat mm-hmm. to be able to witness the whole experience, and it's absolutely given me a better appreciation. Yeah, and I think. Um, as much as we're able to here and as much as our budget sometimes allows or doesn't allow, we try to make choices of where we're purchasing our meat from and getting our our food from uh, to do it with places that uh, treat the animals in a respectful and ethical manner. And uh, you, you mentioned A Farms and we've been out to... Uh, Mitchell Brothers as well, and uh, it's just you know some of those places where they're treating the animals right, and it's not a big factory type farm uh, mm-hmm. situation, right? Right. Well, because when you're aware of the reality of it, when mm-hmm. you are aware that these are living creatures, you're more likely to put some more thought and consideration to where you're getting it from. Mm-hmm. If you are choosing to disregard that entirely, yep. That might not be at the front, like forefront of your mind. Right. Trying to make conscious decisions that mm-hmm. sometimes cost more, often do. Yep. Um, to make those decisions to respect the animals. Mm-hmm. And it gives you an appreciation for the animal as well, knowing that it uh, was treated well. Absolutely. Treated humanely, treated ethically. So. Yep. Yeah, as I said, we try to do that as best we can. We don't do it 100%, to the budget doesn't always allow, but we do what we can, right? Yep, and, you know, I've mentioned it to you before, but I really appreciate what you're doing here and kind of spreading that awareness and your conversations with farmers and uh, ranchers. And All right, well, Jillian, thank you so much for uh, coming on the Soapbox this week. Uh, any last thoughts? Don't think so. All right, thanks, everybody. Thanks to my guest Shane Chartrand and to my daughter Jillian for joining me this week. Some of the COVID lockdown restrictions here in Alberta have been eased up a little and restaurants are now allowed to offer limited seating for dine-in. Keep your eyes open to see what your local barbecue joints are doing and wherever you are, in Alberta or elsewhere. Get out there and support them in whatever way you're comfortable and able. Whatever you're doing and wherever you're going, stay safe and wear your masks. The Eat More Barbecue Podcast is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network. Locally grown, community supported. Please visit www.albertapodcastnetwork.com for more information and links to the shows. That's a wrap, everybody. See you all next week. Hey, friends. Thank you for tuning in. Please be sure to subscribe to the show, and I'd love it if you'd leave a rating and review. You can find me online at eatmorebarbecue.ca and also at albertabbqtrail.ca. Check out the listing of joints on the Barbecue Trail site and show them your support. If you're not in Alberta, get out and show your local barbecue joints some love. Give me a follow on Twitter at EatMoreBarbecue and on Facebook and Instagram at Eat underscore More underscore Barbecue. If you have any questions or guest suggestions, my email is EatMoreBarbecue at gmail.com. Thanks to Alan Horbin for the great music on this and every episode of the Eat More Barbecue podcast. This podcast is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported, and is a production of Eat More Barbecue Digital Media. Till next time, folks, keep on smoking. Thank you.